Hey, welcome to the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. I really encourage you uh, to listen to this podcast, to subscribe to it, to rate it, to review it, to get the word out on social media. Help us spread the word that it's time for a revolution in youth ministry. And I'm super excited about this summer podcast series that we're going to be doing. It's going to be all based on a movement that rocked our world called Movements That Changed the World uh, by Steve Addison. And in this book, he talks about five keys to movements throughout history. And we see them rooted in scripture. Uh, and we actually did our first gospel advancing summit based on these five truths. So we're going to be unpacking those over the course of this summer. So today we unpack adaptive methods. And I can't think of a better person to do that than Chris Stout, who's the executive vice president of ministry for Word of Life. And they use adaptive methods in 80 countries, 1,600 missionaries around the world advancing the gospel of Christ. And I want to tell you, it's going to transform the way you view and do youth ministry. Hey guys, wow, good morning. What an amazing place to be. I mean, Golden is just gorgeous. This is, a, when you're from Tampa and everything's flat, you know, this is a, this is a special treat. But I love, love, love what uh, Greg said that opening night. And that is that we really hope that this is an experience that you will not only remember for the rest of your life, but you'll be able to say that I was there. And that's not because of anything special about us, but that's because of the spirit of the living God that's moving among us to really shape the gospel to teenagers here and around the world and, and, and to push us out because we need the leaders to lead the way, and that's why you're here. And so you're here because you love teenagers. And so thank you for taking the time and spending your money and, and all those different things. I know I've talked to some of you, and you've got nine-to-five jobs, and I know some of you, you've taken, you've taken time off of work, and you're doing all this stuff, and then some of you that you're just so dedicated to this, that's why you're all here. We're so thankful, so grateful. And in fact, you know, we're all here, first of all, because of gospel urgency. I know I'm preaching, this is the ultimate example of preaching to the choir, I know, but, you know, gospel urgency is the why of what we do, right? It's, it's the hell that a teenager is going to and the hell that they're going through is what we always talk about. That gospel urgency, you're here because of urgency. You're also here because of gospel fluency, right? And gospel fluency is the what. The what is the pure gospel, and, and being able to share it clearly. And today's that Go Share Day, as Morgan and Jason talked about, gospel fluency. But we talk a lot about urgency, we talk a lot about fluency, but today we want to talk a little bit more about gospel strategy. Gospel strategy, because you know what? You can have all the urgency you want, and you can have all the fluency. Uh, you can be riled up and motivated on the inside, and you can know what your message is, but if you don't figure out this is the how of how we do it, then you're never going to get it done. And, and if we just think and pray and get excited about these first two, but we never move to the third one, the world is not going to change. Gospel strategy, you know, Jesus laid out the ultimate gospel strategy, didn't he? I mean, we heard about before Jason math, there was Jesus math, right? And, 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 and Jesus math was simply this. Go and make disciples of all nations. And then he goes on to say, teaching them to observe 
all that I've commanded you. Which is interesting because that means making disciples was not just for the disciples. It was for all of us. Because guess what? He says, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And he just commanded them to make disciples. So that's part of the deal. Jesus' strategy was to make disciples. Jesus knew in his simple math, that it was not going to happen through addition alone. It was only going to happen through multiplication. And, and you all have heard the math before. You know that if, if one person leads another person to Christ and disciples them in that year and the next year, both of them do that, we could literally reach all 7.8 billion people on the planet, theoretically, in less than one generation. The problem is not the plan. The problem is, is that we have not been obedient to the plan. I mean, I've traveled, like Jason said, I have the privilege of traveling about 60 countries around the world. And, and, and in, in a lot of these countries, I get off the airplane. I remember walking around in India and Mumbai and, and 1.3 billion people and sometimes asking myself, Jesus, did you give us an impossible task to do? But the task is not impossible. The plan is solid. The strategy is solid. We're just not obedient to the strategy. Now, you know, the question here, here is, you know, why has the world not been reached yet? It's very simple. It's because we simply have not applied the plan. How many of you here know Jesus? Raise your hand. All right. Good. That's good news. So, uh, if not, we got a message for you. We'll talk about it later. So, it would not be very strategic if we spent all our time Preaching the gospel to one another within these four walls, right? That would not be good strategy. But I submit to you that in many ways, that's what the church today is doing. We spend an obscene amount of time, resources, money, human resources, preaching the gospel to those who all have already heard about Jesus. The church has become in many ways so gospel-centered, which is a good thing, that they have forgotten to be gospel-advancing as well. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to take a look at this chapter together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, this is actually, I believe in certain ways, his chapter or one of his chapters about gospel strategy. And so we're just going to read through this chapter. I'm going to point out two major things and we'll be done. All right. Look at, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law. That I may win those under the law. To those outside the law I became... As one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, to all people, that by all means I might save some. Part of strategy. To have strategy, we need two things. The first thing is gospel diversity. This verse here, this passage is all about diversity. I mean, look at what he's saying. Look how often he uses the word 
all. I love, aren't you glad that God is a God of all? If God wasn't a God of all, a lot of us might not be here today, right? And in fact, all reminds us that you think about in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul said, he says, that pray for all men who God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He also talks about in, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he says that is not, not God's desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God is a God of all. And this is echoed over and over and over again in the scriptures. Because when we talk about all Jesus Christ, even in the Great Commission text, what did he say? In the Great Commission text, he talks about reaching, going to all nations. He says reaching every creature. He talks about um, going to the uttermost parts of the earth. My notes just uh, disappeared. That's okay. Jesus talks about reaching every person everywhere with the gospel. And so as a result, what we're looking at is today we have to embrace gospel diversity. Now, diversity means in order to reach a diversity of teenagers, we need to use a diversity of methods. All right? A diversity of methods. I'm going to see if I can pull this back up here one more time because, you know, this is the, uh, this is, I, I don't know if you've ever, you ever had that dream when you woke up in your underwear? Like, you ever had the dream you're walking around in your underwear and you're standing there in your underwear? Well, I'm not in my underwear, but I feel very close to it right now. All right, there it is. Here we, here we got it. This is what happens when you have an iPad from like 1994. All right. Um. Diversity isn't just about race. You know, we hear a lot about diversity today. And diversity isn't just about race, though that definitely is a part of that. Diversity is also reaching all people, all backgrounds, all socioeconomic levels, all personalities and hobbies and disabilities and gender identities. All, when Paul says all, all means all. The challenge is we all live in different circles of relationship. Uh, you, you realize that we all have different circles of relationship. I, I, first of all, like we live in it, we have our comfort circle. What's a comfort circle? Our comfort circle is like that group of people that you don't have a problem hanging out in your underwear with, right? And you know, and you, you, it, it's like your it's like your family, and and you wake up and you don't care what anyone looks like. Then you've got we've got comfort circles, and then you've got community circles. A community circle is kind of like what we got right here. It's people, it's your tribe, right? It's your people, all right? But then after a community circle, then we have our cause circles, those outside of our community. But the problem is, is that even our cause circles, which are fueled by gospel urgency and gospel fluency, are often lacking gospel diversity because our tendency is often to reach people who are like us. Why? Because it's more comfortable. It's more natural. It's easier. Paul did not let that stop him, though. He reached out of his comfort circle, and he worked to become all things to all people so that by all means he might see saved some of every kind of person. In order to have a diversity of teens in our ministry, though, it requires, first of all, sensitivity. 
Because sensitivity helps me to see. Am I sensitive to? Am I even aware of the diverse world of people around me? Do I really see them? Ask yourself that this morning. Paul, he saw the Jew. Paul saw the Greek, the Gentile, the weak, the strong, those under the law, those outside of the law. Paul saw everyone. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 4? He said, lift up your eyes. The fields are white unto harvest. He said this to them when they were surrounded by Samaritans who were kind of like their enemies, right? People that normally the Jews did not want to see. They didn't want to see the Samaritan. But Jesus said, lift, lift up your eyes. The field are white, white to harvest. The Jews might have not, his disciples may have not wanted to see the Samaritans, but Jesus wanted them to see the Samaritans. So he said, Look up your, lift up your eyes. Do I see all teens? Do you see all teens? If I just look at my youth group, at my youth room, if you look at your youth room, I'll probably find my answer. Is there a real cross-section of teens in my ministry? How am I reaching out not just to the white teen, but to the black and the Latino and the Asian? How am I doing that? Now, you might say, well, Chris, you don't understand where I live and the demographics. And that's true. But I would even say, okay, well, then what does your gospel advancing network look like? We, we had a great session with Ben yesterday about your network. And really, guys, if you're here at this gospel advancing summit, it's not just because you're a leader in gospel advancing ministry. It's because we believe you are a leader of leaders. And your goal and our goal for you is not for you to leave here and just have a more gospel advancing youth ministry. Our goal, the reason you're here, whether you realized it or not, sorry to break this to you. The reason you are here is to make you a multiplier and networker of other gospel advancing leaders who aren't here, who don't even know they're gospel advancing leaders yet. That, that when you leave here, you are going to be on the phone and you're going to be knocking on the door of every youth pastor in your community that can ascribe to the five truths. If they can do that, we need to be joining arms together to reach every teenager, all teenagers, every color, every background, every economic class, everything in your community. But is there diversity there? Because God is a God of incredible diversity. Diversity also means how am I reaching the nerd? What am I doing to reach the gamer? How about the jock or the tough guy? The Instagram model wannabe, the prom queen, the quiet shy girl that no one notices. How am I reaching the gender confused or gay or lesbian teen? Do I see them? Do you see them? Maybe you and I need to lift our eyes a little bit more. And also ask God to make us more sensitive to the diversity around us. And not shy away from it, but to lean into it. Sensitivity helps us see. So to have a diversity of teens requires sensitivity so I can see. But to have a diversity of methods requires creativity so I can connect. Sensitivity helps me see. Creativity helps me connect. This is where Christians have been historically bad. Though we've got much better over the decades. I, you know, instead of saying, I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might reach some, we used to say, you know, you become like me and then I can reach you. I remember being in uh, Papua New Guinea for the first time in my life and traveling up to the, like the jungles of um, Papua New Guinea, taking like two little airplanes to get up to this area. And, and we were at a, 
Um, it, uh, believe me, I'm not bashing on any denomination because actually I'm a card carrying now. I never thought I would be, but I, I, I'm a, now I found myself a member of a Southern Baptist church now. So apparently <laughs> I was never a Baptist in my entire life. There was only one Baptist in the Bible and they cut his head off. So, um, <laughs> but I guess I am one now. So, but anyway, we were up in this, in, in this, um, real, uh, we were up in the middle of the jungle. I want you to understand that. We were in the middle of the jungle and, 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 and we were, and we, I was asked to be there to, to speak to like a youth leader, like a, like a pastor's conference. And I'm there. It is like 140 degrees with 600% humidity. And I'm there and people are coming out of the jungle with shirts and ties on. I, I went there because they told me I had to. This isn't Word of Life. This is the other place. I, they, 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 I had to take a jacket, a sport coat, and a tie. I'm there. And I am, if you know me, I'm a sweater. And so I am just dying. And finally I stop and I look at everyone out there. And I said, guys, can we just be real with one another for a second? Why are we wearing shirts and ties? And listen, this is not a lie. One of the Papua New Guineans, he raised his hand, an older gentleman, he just looked at me and he says, we have just always done whatever the white man told us to do. And I said, stop! I said, the white man says a lot of stupid things. I said, do not. I said, and I pulled off my tie, I threw my jacket across the room, and I said, listen, I, I said, just follow Jesus. He was not a white man either. I says, and he will tell you what you need to do. I says, and I can promise you, Jesus never wore a tie. You guys don't need to do this any, any longer. It, but, but we have, we've said, anyway, well. But we don't do that kind of ridiculous thing anymore. But I wonder if there's still some subtle ways in our youth ministry that different kinds of teenagers don't feel comfortable even when they're in our presence or they're in our ministry because of things that we've hold, held on to. How welcoming are our ministries to whoever walks through the door? How are we adapting our methods to reach teens where they are, not waiting for them to come into our world, but finding a way to get into theirs? Are we lacking creativity in our methods, which is therefore keeping us from connecting with every kind of teen? One reason we lack creativity is that we can easily become married to our methods, right? We can even idolize our methods so they become, what? Sacred cows. When a movement stops adapting its methods, the movement dies. Have you ever heard of adapt or die? The same is true in youth ministry. Now, one of the, how do we do this? One of the ways is we must unleash the creativity of our teenagers themselves. For the sake of the gospel. Don't ever discount a crazy idea. Some of the craziest ideas are the ones that have changed the world. But we need to help ground that creativity in gospel advancing purpose. My youngest son has like a, a couple hundred thousand followers on TikTok. And I actually tell him, 
your hair has a couple of hundred thousand followers on TikTok, not you. He, he cut his hair and he lost 10,000 followers, which is kind of crazy. But anyway, I'm like, I don't even understand how TikTok works. I'm looking at this. He posts like a picture of him just like doing this. And he's got thousands of likes and like a couple. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I know that some of you, I, I, there's a lot, how, a lot of you here who have no idea how TikTok works and why. Not even how it works, why it works. I don't understand. But our students, they do. And they can be creative. And they can take things that we never imagined and use them for the sake of the gospel. But are we unleashing them? Are we encouraging them? Are we pushing them out to do that? Jesus was constantly adapting his methods, right? He, he was often doing what no one else would do as he sat by the well. He spoke to a Samaritan woman asking her for water. As he walked along the sea and he saw the fishermen and he said he would make them now fishers of people. As he ate dinner with tax collectors and sinners to the point that the religious accused him of being a drunkard just by guilt by association. Jesus did things that no one else thought you should do. So you and I need to ask ourselves, who are we missing? And then we need to go after them, but on their turf, not ours, in their way. I'm sure a lot of you are already doing all sorts of amazing creative things. And we're alive just around the world, you know, trying to reach the jock team through sports marathons. Like, well, you know, basketball marathons and soccer and volleyball, just trying to get the jock team to be able to come. Listen, we actually did, in Asia, um, we did something, I can't believe it worked, but it's amazing. It's an intensive study marathon. <laughs> Asian students, I mean, that put... My 18-year-olds, to shame, they pay money to come and study <laughs> together. And, 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 and then we stop and we preach the gospel, and then they keep studying. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, the, you know, we're reaching the gamers. We're reaching the gamers through uh, Twitch. And I'm sure some of you guys are doing that. Our Bible Institute students said, hey, we want to start a Twitch ministry. And we've seen students come to Christ that way and, and be reaching musical teams through productions and music camps and social teams through fifth quarters after football games and poor teams in the slums of Brazil with after-school programs and all sorts of things. But the exciting thing is once you reach one of each of these teens, you now have the inroad into their entire world, right? And you can train them up to now be a missionary to their own gamer or jock or homosexual tribe. Remember the woman at the well, after she heard from Jesus, she went and got her friends and brought them to him. So can your teenagers, but we cannot settle for the same old, same old. We cannot be content with just one category of teen or only reaching those within our own minuscule comfort or community circle. We talk about every teen everywhere here in the gospel from a friend. Every teen everywhere hears the gospel from a friend. That's what we talk about. But what does that mean? That means we have to reach every type of friend so they can reach every type of teen. How committed are we to that? Internationally with Dare to Share, we've been able to partner and do some really cool things with the app. Jason mentioned that the translation of Life in Six Words, these are just an example of what we've been able to, to do together. And we have, it in, I can't even remember how many languages now, but we've put, it's not just a Google Translate copy-paste. 
We've taken the time to try to adapt our methods and adapt every single word. Uh, it, like in, Ru- in, in Russian, it's the word Bible. In Hungarian, it's cross. In French, it's hope. In Romanian, it's saved. In Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, it's the word Christ. In Hindi and Arabic became a phrase. It's not actually life in six words. It's, it's one solid phrase. It doesn't spell out a word. In Korean, like we already talked about, it became a math equation. All right, which is the coolest one. You know, that I think we have out there is our Korean, is our, is our Korean acrostic. So, but what does creativity mean? Creativity means best practices and shared strategies. Best practices, listen, you know, having been in youth ministry for a while and, and serving local churches, one of the things that always confuses me and frustrates me and saddens me a little bit, but I understand it, is how many youth pastors and youth leaders come out of seminary or wherever, and they're convinced that I have to create my own curriculum. I have to create my own thing. And it's like, dude, listen, man, there's so much good stuff out there. And there's some stuff that's not so good, but there's good stuff out there. And if you can connect with the right resources and understand the best practices, then you can actually spend your time doing what you were called to do, and that is to reach and disciple teenagers. Best practices, shared strategies. Listen, I, I, I don't have time to tell you my whole testimony with Dare to Share, but all I can tell you is that I was placed over our youth ministry uh, section, um, branch of our ministry here in the United States and around the world um, as well just a few years ago. And um, it was kind of broken and it, it was okay. It was working well, but I've been praying just after I've been given this additional responsibility. I started praying, God, what is missing here? What is missing here? And I prayed for six months. And after six months, I found myself sitting around a table and next to some guy I didn't know, his name was Greg Steer and with Debbie Bursina there. And Greg started talking about uh, the seven values of gospel advancing ministry. And as he talked about them, I started to cry. When he first said every teen everywhere here in the gospel from a friend, God broke me. And it was like a lightning bolt from heaven. I haven't had a ton of aha moments, but this was an aha moment. And God said to me, that's what you're missing. Because our ministry is a youth ministry. We've been around for 80 years. And our ministry is all about reaching youth with the gospel of Christ. But our founder, Jack Wurtson, he used to say, I believe is a responsibility of every generation to reach their generation for Christ. And that was what we've been founded on. That's what we've done for many, many years. But somewhere along the line, we became what's called institutionalized. And in that, what we did is we got really good at my generation reaching the next generation. But what we lost sight of is this generation reaching their generation. And so I said, give it to me. Bring it on. And we took the seven values, and I basically looked at our main curriculum guy, and I looked at our main training guy, and I said, guys, right now, from now on, we have two goals. Every teen everywhere here in the gospel from a friend, every teen growing in their walk with Christ. These seven values are now the filter that we're going to pass everything in our youth ministry through. We've been around for 80 years. I, we took this from Dare to Share, and we, it transformed what we were doing in local churches. And now that's what we're all about. And now that's what we're seeing happen all around the world. Shared strategies. And, and I look at guys like Chris Selby, and we've got a hold. He's helped us with our coaching model. I look at Doug Holliday with Sun Life, and he's, they've helped us with the Ford Shared Discipleship model. It's been fantastic. We need to be sharing the best practices and sharing the best strategies because we will never do this on our own. Your church, your denomination, your organization will never reach one billion teenagers on your own. We can only do it together. 
So we talked about diversity. The second thing, and wrapping up, this is what Paul says in the second part of this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It, gospel strategy requires diversity, but it also requires discipline. Look at what he says, starting in verse 23. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Isn't that awesome? He reminds us, I become all things to all men for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know? Now, we, we, you've heard this text many, many times before, but what we need to remember is Paul is sharing this text in the context of the gospel. So we have gospel diversity. This is gospel discipline. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Run in such a way that you might win. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. We talk about discipline from this text a lot of times. So, well, you don't want to disqualify yourself from ministry. So you got to be disciplined. You got, absolutely, that's part of it. But the first part is talking about running the way, race in such a way that you might win. Are we running our youth ministry gospel race in a way to actually win teenagers? Or have we become so discouraged or we've become so disappointed and we're just not willing to wait? Because this is not a sprint, guys. It's a marathon. And it takes discipline to not give up, to not give in to just all the latest youth ministry fads. And instead to stick to this gospel philosophy. It takes time to build. But once it's built, it's a movement that cannot be stopped. But can I remind you something obvious? It's not easy. Every teen everywhere is not easy. One of the best definitions of discipline I've ever heard came from one of my mentors. His name is Mike Calhoun. He simply said this, discipline is remembering what you want. Running a race is hard, but winning a race is even harder. But the race isn't won on race day. It's won on training day. Because if you don't train well, you don't prepare well, you'll never win. But then you actually have to run the race and run it hard. That's why we talk about making a plan. And we talk about working the plan. Discipline's remembering what you want. What do we want? We want every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. That's a big goal. But it'll only happen with gospel diversity and gospel discipline. Listen, remember, discipline, we tell teenagers this. Why is discipline important? Because life is not made about by the decisions that you, by, excuse me, life is not made by the dreams that you dream, but by the decisions that you make. We can dream all we want about reaching every teen everywhere. But it comes down to the decisions that you're going to make on Monday when you go home from here that are going to really make the difference. Do you have a diverse discipline strategy for every teen everywhere? Hope, guys, is not a strategy. You can't say, man, I, I hope this works. I hope we can do this. No, we can do this, and this is how, that strategy. So I just want to wrap up sharing with you one story that I believe, that I, I think will resonate with you just because of the world we live in today. But it, to me, shows diversity and discipline wrapped up in one. And uh, that is our team in the Ukraine. In Ukraine. I had the privilege of just being over in Romania and Hungary. And, 
and uh, um, Poland, just with a lot of the Ukrainian displaced that came out in our Ukrainian team. And, and I'd like to show you here just a couple of pictures. I can't remember which picture shows up first. So this right here, this is Matthias Radzivaluk. He is our, uh, our director of Word of Life in Ukraine. And we have just a beautiful staff of about 45 students. We have a Bible Institute, a camp right outside of Kiev. This is really cool because this is Matthias. This is in a church in, in outside Kiev 48 hours before the bombing started. This is Matthias teaching the life in six words right here in Russian. To these teenagers, God knew that they needed to be equipped to share their faith before the war began. Adaptive methods right there in Russian. He's teaching them. And then let me show you here another picture. So this right here says Mariupol. You guys have maybe heard of that town. This is not that church, but another church where we did training. This is like the second day of bombing. This is the church that's been destroyed. You can see it in another picture, just what the sanctuary looks like. Just before, uh, just underneath in the basement of this church, we were doing life in six words training with these students in Russian. And then you, you, you move on. This is another example of a church that we've been working with. You know, sometimes you don't see these pictures, but, you know, it's just absolutely amazing. We did a youth, uh, just a teen camp, uh, like a day camp at that church just before the bombing began. And these guys right here, though, I want to introduce you to these guys. This is Sergei Korupkin. He's our our associate director, he's, these are six of our Ukrainian staff men who, were, who had to stay in Ukraine. All of their wives and their families left to one of our other camps in Central or Eastern Europe. These guys stayed behind. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't say, you know what, we're going to hang out in Western Ukraine where it's nice and safe. They said, we're here for the sake of the gospel. And we're here about reaching young people. We're here about reaching everybody. And so with diversity and discipline, what did they do? They started to, this is our camp property. This is actually a Romanian truck with 20 tons of supplies. And these are Ukrainian soldiers on the World Life property helping us unload all of these supplies and take them in. Because then you can go to the next video. You'll see um, these are, are those six guys as well with other help from local churches. This is our auditorium where we've been training students and they're creating food bags. And so, you know, as you, you can go on and see to the next bags right there, these are just an example of, of, of the bags that we've, we've been filling for, for people. And in every one of these bags, you'll find this. This is the life in six words in Russian. And, you know, here are our guys that are literally running into the fire. To help save people from physical death and from spiritual death. They, at, at no thought to their own life. You can see here this next picture. This is just an example of what we find when we go to these churches and we do distribution in different parts of Ukraine. And people just lined up waiting to receive something and to also receive the hope of the gospel. But you know what, it, it makes me think about when we think about, you know, urgency, fluency, strategy that includes diversity and discipline is what will allow us with passion to now run into the fire of our teenagers' lives. R run into the, the fire of the local high school. Run into the mess that is our youth culture today. You know, th these guys are an inspiration to me. 
And I'm thinking, wow, if they're willing to literally put their own lives at risk. I mean, we've, we've been able to get three, we've been able, just, just our little group with our vans, we've been able to evacuate about 3,000 people from, from towns in eastern Ukraine and up near Kiev. And these are young guys, they're all about youth ministry, but they said, hey, we got to adapt. Because today we're in a war zone, and, and so th- how can we do that? And this is what we're going to do. And they started to mobilize, and they started to organize, and then they started to do it. Add no thought to their own lives. How about us? How far are we willing to go? How much are you willing to risk? How, how creative are you willing to be? How persistent? How engaged? How throw caution to the wind are we willing to be for the sake of every teen everywhere? Is there diversity in your, youth, in your youth ministry? Is there diversity in your network? And is there discipline to make it happen? Because we got to reach every kind of friend if we're going to reach every kind of teen. Father, we just cry out to you tonight, Lord. There are teenagers. My fear is there are teenagers all over this world that we do not see. There are teenagers in our communities that... We're not thinking about, that we're not imagining, that we're not coming in contact with. And they are so lost. Oh God, would you please wake us up? Would you please help us lift up our eyes? I pray for every one of these youth leaders as they go home, that even this week, you would help them come across new teenagers, new pockets of teenagers, New kinds of teenagers. Would you give us inroads into places that we might never be able to preach before? Would you give us the creativity to adapt our methods so that we will do whatever it takes to get the life-changing gospel into their hands, into their ears, into their hearts and their souls? Oh God, please, shake us up. Shake us out of our, our old methods if necessary and help us to do maybe what's never been done before in order to reach teenagers who have never been reached before. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you were inspired by today's talk. And our challenge is this. Would you become a gospel-advancing leader? There is a movement that's changing the world. Jesus is our gospel-advancing leader. But I want to define for you, what does that mean for you as a youth leader, a leader of youth? What is a gospel-advancing leader? It's this, one who personally shares the gospel and mobilizes teenagers to do the same. So I challenge you to make that commitment. How do you do that? Go to gospeladvancing.org and click join now. And when you do that, you just you come in to this fraternity of youth leaders and pastors and moms and dads and even teenagers that are saying, yes, we're going to personally share the gospel. We're going to mobilize teenagers to do the same. Listen, this whole movement is about changing the world. What's going to do that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And who does it faster than anybody? Teenagers. They come to Christ quicker. They spread the gospel faster. So I hope you've enjoyed today's episode uh, of the Greg Steer Youth Ministry Podcast. And remember, a youth ministry that changes the world is one that advances the gospel of Christ.